Christmas time, you know, we always struggle with what to talk about and how to approach this series. And, and so we thought this year we just simply talk about the cast of characters that were involved in the narrative of Jesus' birth. And the first week we talked about a man by the name of Zachariah, a man who had a stumbling faith. And then the next week, Pastor Glenn talked about a man by the name of John. He was the one who, who set up the messenger of faith. And then we talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, last week. She was an example of faith. Tonight, I'm a, uh, this morning, tonight, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about Joseph, a man who had an obedient faith, a man who had an obedient faith. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning, if you have them, or open up your cell phone, or turn on your cell phone, or however you read the Bible today. We're going to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. We're going to look at the story of Joseph this morning, but how many of you have had a, ever had a dream in your life, like a, like a dream of what would be your ideal job? You know, I have a dream like, man, if I could do anything in the world, I would love to do this. Have you ever dreamed like that before? Uh, maybe you're already living that dream today, but maybe, you know, you're kind of sitting thinking, you're dreaming, you're at your current job, and you're dreaming about what you would really like to be doing for a job at that time. And I had an experience a couple of years ago. We went to Pennsylvania. My wife has a very close friend that lives up there, and this, uh, this friend of hers, husband, works at a chocolate factory. Now, can you put that picture of the chocolate factory? There you go. Put that picture. There we go. He works at a place called Gertrude Hawks. Now, you know, maybe chocolate to you is not a big deal. I am a chocolate-holic. I love chocolate. As a matter of fact, at 9.52, about 15 seconds before I closed my eyes last night and fell asleep, I had about that much of a Dove Dark chocolate bar. I know you're not supposed to do it before. I did it after I brushed my teeth. I was bad. I seldom do that, but I love chocolate. Uh, this man by the name of Antonio, he, he is the tester. He's the chief tester. Of all the chocolate at Gertrude Hawks. What a job. What a dream job. I don't know what your dream job is. I asked Miranda, our worship coordinator, yesterday. I said, what's your dream job? She said, if I could do anything, she says, I would, she says, I'd love to train dolphins in the Caribbean. So that's not too bad of a job. It sounds pretty good to me. I don't know what your dream job is. I asked my wife last night on the way home from Gainesville. I said, what's your dream job? She said, my dream job is to be the pastor's wife of City Church. <laughs> Come on, give Laura a great big hand. <laughs> talk about a man who had a dream. We talk about a man that had a dream today. If you could stand with me in the honor of reading God's word, we're going to read verses 18 through 25 of Matthew's gospel, chapter 1. And the Bible says, now this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, or a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. And he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, 
and he gave him the name Jesus. I'm going to talk to you about Joseph, a man of obedient faith. A man of obedient faith. Uh, you came in today. You couldn't miss it. There were people out in the lobby handing these out. These are our Christmas Eve invite cards. And I want to encourage you today. You, you have family members or friends that you've always kind of wanted a church. You know you should do it. But this is the service to do it. People come two times a year. Whether they need it or not, they come Christmas and Easter. And so this is the ideal time. And the worship team has a spectacular presentation of the concept of joy at Christmas around the world. That's why we have the flags, and they're going to present that next Sunday morning. Now, here's the deal. Everyone say shift. Everyone has to shift because 8.30 service is going to start at 9 next week and 10.30, or 10.30, right? Okay, 10 o'clock, whatever. 10.30 is going to start 10 o'clock and start at 10.30. There you go. They're going to edit this out of the video for me. So 10 o'clock is going to start at 10.30, and then we have a 5 o'clock and a 6.30. So you have four options to bring family or friends. All the services will be exactly the same, and then we're going to have a special candlelight time at the very end. So I would encourage you to bring family and friends next week. And here's the deal. We're going to start praying. We're going to pray today that God will give you the boldness and the courage and the confidence to invite someone to attend to hear the wonderful message of Jesus, the hope of the world. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments... God, as we prepare our hearts to hear from you through the word, God, we begin to pray for friends and family members and coworkers, people who are outside of faith. God, the people that you've, been, you've already placed upon our heart that we should invite them next Sunday to Christmas Eve service. God, I pray that you'll prepare their hearts. and God, just give us a simple confidence and boldness and just, to, just the invite, the power of the invite. Jesus, we pray today. We pray that you'll prepare their hearts. God, I thank you for every person that's here today this Sunday. God, I thank you that you have prepared our hearts through a time of powerful worship. We've experienced your presence so real and so awesome. Thank you for that today. Now, Lord, I pray for every person in this room that you would give them a spiritual ear to hear. Not my words, but your words. Literally, Lord, into their ears, it would become your words in their hearts. And we would leave this place changed. I ask this, Jesus, one more time. In your wonderful and awesome name, and everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. You know, we don't know a lot about Joe. We just don't know a lot about him. As a matter of fact, Pastor Glenn, he, he talked about John the Baptist being like a stagehand, preparing the Messiah that was to come. What we, we know about Joe, the scripture tells us a little about his life, but he has no speaking parts. He, uh, he's mentioned several times in the scripture, but he never says a word. But he has a powerful role to play. As a matter of fact, just because he doesn't say anything, his life says a lot. You know, there is a, a saying kind of in Christendom, you know, your, your testimony is, your, your word, your actions speak lo so loud, you don't need to say anything. Now, I know there's some debate on that, but the fact is today is that people judge us by our actions. And when we look at the life of Joseph, Joseph, the Bible says, was a righteous man or a just man. Now, in Hebrew culture, to be a righteous man was to be a person who would be held in high esteem or honor in the Jewish faith community. A righteous man sought, had his heart towards God, and sought to obey all of the word of God, all the laws. There were 613 laws that were in the Old Testament. And a righteous man would have his heart and say, God, I want to obey your word. 
A righteous man also in Jewish community would be considered a person who, who was full of benevolence, who was magnanimous, who, who a person who, who exhibited love. As a matter of fact, there is a, a branch of Judaism today that they believe that the highest goal of the Jewish faith is to live a life of joy. They're called Hasidic Jews. And in Joseph's generation, they believed that they were to live the life of the law, but the life also taught it was a life of love. Joseph was called a righteous man. But a righteous man has a dilemma. Everyone say dilemma. I want you to look at verse number 18 with me. And the Bible says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Joseph has an unexpected interruption. Now, we talked about Mary last week. She had an unexpected interruption. And Joseph, because of what's happening to his betrothed wife, his engaged wife, he has an unexpected interruption. What I want you to see today is that interruptions come in our life many times as a result of the Holy Spirit doing something within you and I. See, the Holy Spirit was doing something within Mary. And all of a sudden, this situation that presented itself, this supernatural situation, presented a situation for Joseph that would become a dilemma. It was a huge dilemma in his life. You see, it would turn into a potential saga. It would turn into a potential drama. It had the potential. It had the makings of, of all kinds of drama in this righteous man's life. You see, Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She was enthroned, but who is going to believe that story? If you believe that story, I, I, I got property in Manhattan, I'll sell you for 100 bucks an acre. I mean, who's going to believe it? It's impossible. There's no way for this to take place. What I love about this man, Joseph, what I love about this man, Joseph, he's very intentional in his faith. He's very intentional in the kind of decisions that he makes. Look at verse number 19 with me. And the Bible says, and because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he was a righteous man, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, Joseph's very intentional with the kind of choices he was going to make in life. Because he was a man of the book. He was a man of the word. He was a man who believed the promises of God. He's very intentional about his choices and about his lifestyle. So he had at least two options. The law said that if a woman or a man committed adultery or they committed fornication before they were married, and it could be proven, they literally could be taken out into the community, displayed in front of everybody, and stoned to death. That's what the law said. Deuteronomy clearly states that. As a matter of fact, if you remember the story of Jesus and John's gospel, where the religious community leaders, they, they caught a woman in the very act, and they drug her out, naked and all. They drug her through the streets, bringing public shame, and their intention was to stone him, to stone her. And you remember what Jesus said as he wrote in the sand, he that has no sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says from the oldest to the youngest, they left Joseph, being a righteous man, could have leaned on the law, could have brought justice to her. But he, the, also, the law made provision for grace. In the book of Leviticus, the, the Bible says that do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am 
He could have made public disgrace. He could have publicly shamed her. Because he was a righteous man, he chose the higher law, the law of love. And that was to cover her. Peter said that if we truly love people, we, will, we should love them deeply. For love covers a multitude of sins. You see, a righteous man always chooses the higher law, the law of love, the law of forgiveness. Yes, there will be consequences to choices. Yes, there are bad things that happen when we do things that are outside the will of God potentially. But let me tell you, as Christ followers today, we are not here to judge because the Bible says Jesus did not come into this world to condemn sinners, but Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Such were some of us. You see, it wasn't about condemnation that day. It was about allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to cover this woman, to cover her. You know, our culture today is so confused, so broken, so messed up. So many people are publicly exposing other people. I mean, it's in the newspaper every day. Careers are instantaneously destroyed because of an action that someone committed 20 or 30 years ago. I mean, there's all kinds of exposing. Uh, the, the, one of the founders of Facebook, he's an Indian man. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. I'll just, I'll just say it's a long name. This last week, he said this, social media is ripping apart society. Facebook. He actually was the founder of Facebook. Uh, the, the, this ad that I saw said, Facebook admits, bad for you. People that their whole engagement, interaction of culture and other people is through Facebook. It has the potential to create lots of problems. And I see it and you see it every day. I call them keyboard warriors. People who would never say, people who would never say a cruel, mean thing to you to your face. Get on the keys and pound away. I'm in a, a little app here for our community. It's called the Next Door Neighbor app, and they're in every community. And I joined our little community here, and I am amazed at what neighbors say to one another. I'm amazed. It absolutely befuddles me. You've never met the person, and you're willing to throw bombs, grenades. You know why that is? Because our heart is full of bitterness. The human heart, so full of pride, we're better than anyone else. See, what we recognize today as Christ followers, that the way we judge other people is the way that we will be judged. Love covers a multitude of sins. But here's the thing. Mary never sinned. She was perfect. Not that she was sinless. There would only be one sinless one. His name was Jesus. There was only one sinless one. His name was Jesus. But she was innocent. She did nothing wrong. She had an an interruption that came into her life because of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse number 19. Since Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. It was under the law. He could do it. He could do it. He was just going to put her away. He was going to cover her. You see, he was a man of compassion. He didn't just cover her. He was also a person of compassion. I heard a story recently about a very famous preacher in America. His name is Franklin Graham. Back in the 1980s, Christian television was huge. It was just exploding on the scene of Christendom. And there were some very famous Christian preachers in America. One of them was, by the, one of them's name was Jim Baker. 
Jim Baker's ministry had started in the 1960s with a man by the name of Pat Robertson, and over the next 20 years, it exploded. His particular ministry exploded to hundreds of millions of dollars a year enterprise. Uh, Jim Baker did some things that were quite wrong. As a matter of fact, his, his ministry made some ethical decisions regarding finances that would land him in jail. Uh, he didn't just do things wrong with finances. He was also involved in sexual immorality. Uh, Jim Baker ended up going to prison because of the bad choices that he and his team made. It was a public display. It was on Nightline. It was on 2020. It was on every news broadcast. It was on the front page of the New York Times and the Washington Post. And every, every media outlet, outlet of that day was attacking and exposing this man's sins for the whole world to see. You see, Jesus said that which is done in secret will be shouted from the rooftop. And it was being shouted what this man did. He went to prison. 12-year sentence. 12-year sentence. After serving about four and a half, five years, he was able to get his sentence commuted, and, uh, and he got a phone call. He was discharged to a halfway house before they released him, and at the halfway house, he received a phone call from a man by the name of Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham asked the director of that particular halfway house that if he could take Jim Baker to church with he and his family this coming Sunday, and the, the, the director conceded and gave him permission. Jim Baker Begin to have conversation with Franklin Graham. He just couldn't understand. He said, Franklin, don't you understand? I'm going to ruin your reputation. You and your father, your reputations are so commendable. People think of you as the, in such high regard and high esteem, especially in these two areas of money and sexual immorality. I'm going to be bad for your ministry. Franklin Graham didn't say anything. He just brought him to church. Brought him and sat down in the front row with Franklin Graham and his family. There were two seats left next to Jim Baker, and about five minutes before the service, the side door opened, and one of the most famous evangelists that ever lived, Billy Graham, and his wife Ruth walked to the doors, and they came and they sat down right next to Jim Baker, right next to him. Baker was a wreck. He was a mess, crying, couldn't understand it. The service concluded, and Jim Baker turned to Franklin Graham, he said, why? Why would you risk it? Why would you risk ridicule and exposures because of my life? And Franklin Graham looked Jim Baker right in the eyes. He said, Jim, you are our friend before you fail. You are our friend when you fail. And you'll be our friend till we die. See, that's what believers do. Believers cover. We love people. He was a righteous man. He made intentional decisions about his life. The next thing that I want you to see about Joseph is that Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. In verse number 20, the Bible says, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The language of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament times and in New Testament times is the language of dreams. Visions, revelation. American culture, we have a difficult time with the supernatural of the 487 cultures that have been identified around the world. The Western culture has the most difficult time with this concept. But the fact is, if we were to walk around the room and start to talk to you, there are many of you that feel at some time in your life you had some kind of dream that meant something. 
You can Google it. People have all kinds of explanations, but the language of the Holy Spirit, according to Peter in the book of Acts, he said, the last day, quoting the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. You cannot read the Bible and escape the reality of dreams, visions. Divine moments where God intervenes in people's life in a supernatural way. Now, what we know about dreams and visions from God, you can't manufacture them. You can't make them. God shows up and you're having a dream. All of a sudden, you realize that something is just so real. You can look at our natural world. You can Google it because everything on the Internet's true. You can Google it. (laughs) Albert Einstein, theory of relativity, came to him in a dream. Paul McCartney's song yesterday came to him in a dream. I mean, there are so many examples of people, even in secular society, that had dreams that suddenly things came to them that seemed to be difficult or impossible. Joseph had a dream. Four times, four times in Joseph's life, the Bible tells us that he had a dream. Here's what I know about God's dreams. When God places a dream inside of us, it's always way bigger than anything we could ever conceive or do in our own strength, our own power. As a matter of fact, when God gives a dream, it's so big, if God doesn't show up, we're going to look like complete fools and failures. Joseph had a dream. It was a big dream. Joseph is going to have a dream. He's going to have the dream job of all human history for a dad. He was going to be the father, the stepfather to the Messiah, the Son of God. The angel of the Lord came to Joseph. Sometimes the angel would come and he'd give him very clear instruction, direct instruction, like he does in our text here. Other times the angel would come and warn him about the danger of the, of the particular leader of Rome that wanted to destroy his family. Other times, the, the other time, the angel of the Lord came and gave Joseph a word of encouragement or very clear guidance about what his next step would be. So God gave Joseph a dream. And God speaks to you today. God's put a dream in your heart. For some of us today, the dream has become dormant. But God wants to give you a word of exhortation. Look at verse number 20. And the Bible says, the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph wasn't afraid of the angel. He was afraid of the dream. The dream was so big. It was impossible. There was no way for this to take place. How could my betrothed wife, how could my uh, engaged potential future wife get pregnant? The dream was way beyond anything he could ever see or believe. Don't be afraid. When God speaks to you today, when God directs you today, don't be afraid. Over and over and over, the scriptures command us, fear not, for I am the Lord God. I am Emmanuel, God with us, God with you today. Allow God to birth a dream in your life today. Take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about your reputation. Don't worry about what your coworkers or your friends think about you going to church and being involved and serving in ministry. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
Oh, trust the Lord and do good. The Bible says, dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then you're going to give him a name. The name which is above every other name. The name Jesus. See, Matthew's gospel was written to Jewish Christians. And they needed that assurance that this Jesus was truly the Messiah. In two different times in our story, in Matthew's gospel of Jesus' birth, he quotes the prophet Isaiah, the most revered prophet of the Old Testament, the one who 700 years before Jesus was born would say these words, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Don't be afraid. Your dream is going to produce a child. It's going to bring salvation for the sins of the world. A righteous man, here's a lesson. A righteous man receives instruction from the Lord. This wasn't intended to be a Father's Day message, but just let it land. Let it land. Men, men, hear me today. You're never going to figure it all out. Uh, You're never never going to completely make sense when you make a decision to obey God. When you make a decision to follow the dream that he's placed in your life. You see, a righteous person receives instruction for the Lord. And the last thing that I want you to see, he had a decision to make. And this is what separates old Joe from most of us. Joe had a decision to make. What I see about Joe is that he was a man of, the Bible says he was a righteous man, but he had a righteous faith. Joe made a decision to obey the Lord's command. Look at verse number 24. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home and his wife. A righteous man walks in righteous faith. Now, the first week we talked about Zechariah. When the angel came to him, he just couldn't believe it, and he stumbled in his faith, and because of that, there was a consequence. He couldn't speak for about four months, although he was one of the priests that would go into the temple and minister. He was, he was completely dumb. I mean, his, his mouth was shut because he didn't believe. Mary became an example of faith. When the angel came to her, she just received. John the Baptist was a man who, who had a message of faith for the next generation, This man, Joseph, he was special. He had an obedient faith. He obeyed God immediately. Uh, He didn't have to argue. He he, he wasn't squirming. He wasn't looking for a loophole. He simply got up and he obeyed God. When my boys are very little, one of the first things we really tried to instill in them the best that we could as human parents is the importance of first-time obedience. When you tell your child, don't touch the hot stove. It's not one, two, three. It's don't touch the hot stove. It's not cute when your child shakes their head and tells you no. Or, or sets a, in the grocery cart at the store and calls you by your first name. That's not cute. It's not cute. And Joseph just woke up. He got up, he had a dream, and he immediately did what the angel commanded. He obeyed God. 
you obey God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. See, obedience reveals the heart of a person like nothing else. To obey God when it's hard, not convenient, or seems to be impossible is when we are truly demonstrating true faith. See, your decision to obey God or not obey God today will affect your destiny tomorrow. Your decision today to obey God, whatever he's speaking, whatever he's saying to you. You see, obedience becomes the hallmark of faith. For every person in this room, the Bible says in the book of Romans, it is the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. And he's rewarded for his faith. He's rewarded for his faith. In obedience to the angel's command, he has the great high privilege to become the father, the stepfather of Jesus the Messiah. The Son of God. What a dream job. What a dream job. Luke's gospel says it like this. And all spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words, speaking of Jesus, that were coming from his mouth. They said, is this not Joseph's son? Wow. Because he lived in obedient faith, a righteous faith, and he obeyed the angel's command. People saw him. They saw the words of Jesus. They saw the way that his son came out. His son was a reflection of his life. He, he wore that honor. He carried that honor. You see, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those that earnestly seek him. What about your faith today? Is it a complex faith? Is it a difficult faith? Do you have to have every answer before you take your next step in life? See, what I know about God, what I know about God is he responds to simple faith. I was thinking of the story again this week, and, and I read many different commentaries as I prepare a message, and there's such complexity and struggle in so many theologians about the virgin birth. Just have a hard time. Does it really have to happen? Yes, it really had to happen, because it's exactly what God said would happen, and it's exactly what happened. And as I sat on my couch pondering and thinking about this passage, I said, God, I just believe. It just seems simple to me. It just happened. It's just simple faith. And God rewards simple faith. I read a story this week of a missionary. Her name is Chriselle Dawson. She serves in Papua New Guinea in a place called Union Mission. She's a three-year-old little girl, and her little girl received a present of a bird, a little bird from one of the students, students as a going-away gift. This three-year-old little girl loved this little bird, had him in a cage, and they were taking care of this bird. And one day, Chriselle, she looked into the cage, and she noticed that the bird was limping. He was no longer on his perch. He was in the bottom of the cage, and he was limping. And, and she came to realize through another friend that the bird somehow had broken its leg. And so the friend helped them, and they bandaged up the little leg, and, and the little three-year-old was happy. And after a period of time, the leg healed up. And one morning, she... She got up, and the bird was no longer in the cage. The, the door had been pried open. She began to panic. Her little three-year-old's daughter, the love of her life, her little pet bird was gone. So she rushed out of the house, and there on the front doorstep laid a dead bird, chewed, mauled, the trophy prize of the cat of the neighborhood. Oh, what am I going to do? My daughter's little pet is gone, 
She began to think how she's going to fix it and how she could run and go get a little bird. And all of a sudden, her daughter with her little four-year-old friend showed up on the front door. And they saw this dead little bird lying on the ground. The little three-year-old did what any three-year-old would do who knew Jesus. Jesus was her best friend. She knew Jesus could do anything. She had heard all the stories in preschool. She got down on her knees with a little four-year-old girl. And she took that little bird in her hands and she prayed, Jesus, heal my bird. Jesus, heal my bird. This is where faith really works. This is when you're in an impossible situation and you don't know how you're going to fix it or work it out. You say, Jesus, I can't, but I trust that you can. Do you know what happened? Hang on. You got to hear the rest of the story. You know what happened? In just a few moments, breath came back into that little bird. And the next two weeks, that bird was completely healed and restored and sitting back up in its perch, in its cage, and lived for another 18 months. Come on. Give God a great big hand. No, I know it doesn't always work that way. But that little girl just simply believed. She just simply believed. A righteous person simply trusts the Lord. And lastly, he had a reverent faith. Look at verse number 25. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. Mary and Joseph did not have physical intimacy until after she gave birth to Jesus. This was, this was significant. Because even to this very day, 2,000 years later, in the Jewish community, this idea of Jesus coming through a virgin, through Mary, mm, they don't believe. They don't believe. They don't believe that he was the Messiah. It was so significant. Joseph wasn't going to do anything that would mess up the reality. No one could ever blame Joseph for being the father of Jesus. Not the literal father. He was the stepfather. What I love about Joseph is that Joseph knew how to respect women. And I got to tell you, in our culture today, it is all messed up. Hashtag me too. Right? I begin to think about all these men whose careers have been decimated. Years of public fame and prosperity in one moment shattered because of an accusation. Some of them 10, 20, 30 years ago. You know what, each of these men that are guilty of that charge, you know what they never learned? They never learned how to treat a woman. They never learned how to show a woman dignity and respect as a real man, as a man of God. You see, because they live for themselves, about their own lust, about what they could get. But that's not the gospel. That's not the hope of Jesus. It's not about what we can get. It's about what we can give. It's how we can love. It's how we can serve. Paul the Apostle told Timothy, he said, listen, if you guys don't want to hashtag me too by your name, listen, treat every older woman as you would your mother and treat every younger woman with all purity as you would your own sisters. He was a righteous man with real faith and he had a respect for Mary. He honored her. He took this woman in spite of public ridicule and potential shame. He took her as his wife. And he didn't consummate his marriage because this man, Joseph, would be a real dad. And when Jesus came into the world, he gave him his name. God gave him that honor as a real dad to name his son Jesus. So I want you to close your eyes. The worship team is going to come in just a moment. What is God saying to you today? 
What is God saying to you today? See, Joseph had a dilemma. He had a problem. He had something in his life that just didn't make any sense. Couldn't seem to overcome it. I mean, in the natural, it was an impossible circumstance. You're in this room, and not just for men, but for women as well. You find yourself in a dilemma today. You got a relationship that's just not working, and you're saying, God, I've done everything. First service, someone was telling about a relationship in their home, and that some of the complexities and the challenges, and they can't fix it. And they're right, they can't fix it. You got a dilemma in your life, maybe you're struggling with an addiction, and You've been carrying it out of just 2017, 2016. It's an area that you keep struggling and wrestling through. And 2017 is coming to an end. The number seven always represents completion. We're stepping into 2018. It's a, it's a day of new beginnings. 20, the number eight always represents new beginnings. You're stepping into a new beginning in your life. You don't want to carry 2017 into 2018, but you got this dilemma. You got a financial reality. You got a relationship issue. You got some kind of addiction or problem in your life. Maybe it's just a simple faith issue. Really believing that God is in control of your life. Joseph, he had a dilemma. (laughs) Something in Joseph, something in Joseph, that dream that God had birthed in him. And God has birthed a dream inside of you. And if God hasn't, God wants to birth that dream, that you are an overcomer. God wants you to be victorious. God has created us as his children to be people who walk in love and freedom and victory and hope. And we understand the battle, but we want to step into 2018. And today we're making a decision. We're going to make a decision. God, I set my will. I set my will to make the decision to follow you, to obey your commands. God, I I turn myself, I submit my will to follow you. I say it like this. I give all of me that I know. Now 32 years of serving Jesus, all of me that I know, it ain't very good to all of him that I know. When I first came to Christ, I didn't know much about him. But today I know that God is good. Today I know that God is a redeemer and a restorer. Today I know that God is a healer and a forgiver. Today I know that God is is the giver of new beginnings and fresh starts. God, I give all of me that I know to all of you that I know today. You're in this room and you're a believer. And you want to step into 2018 putting old things, 2017 behind you. And it could have been the best year. 2017 for City Church was one of our best years. Old things are passed away. I'm believing for exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond for 2018. I believe that God wants to do more. He's always a God of more in your life. You're in this room right now. You want to step into 2018, the new reality, giving God everything you have. All of him that you know about you to all of him that you know about him. If that's you in this room right now on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand all across this room. Come on, all across this room. I'm going to give all of you that you know to all of him. All across this room. Hands are raised. I want us to stand together this morning. Hallelujah. 
Joseph had a dream. And the Bible says that immediately he got up and he went. I've asked you to stand because in just a moment the worship team is going to begin to sing. And I'm going to ask you to get up and to come to the altars. If you really mean business, you want to leave 2017 in the past, you want to take 2018 and say, God, I'm giving you all of me, all of me that I know to all of you that I know. If that's you right now in this room, as the worship team begins to sing, altar workers, I want you to begin to make your way. When you're ready to take that step, you're answering the so what. I'm going to give all of me that I know to all of him. If that's you right now, I want you to begin to make your way as the worship team begins to sing.